Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Mason, I don't know how you learned to pray such big boy prayers, but that was a good job, buddy. Proverbs eleven thirty, 30, uh, Solomon is writing to us. Know what he's, notice what he says. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Let's pray. Father, as you guide us tonight, we thank you for allowing us to be here. We ask that you would enliven your word with your Holy Spirit, make it uh, alive for us, and Lord, that we can apply it to our lives. And, and Father, as we apply it, we'll grow and, Father, we'll praise you for it. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, he starts off and he says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. In other words, you, you live a righteous life before God and it gives you life. And then he says, and he that wins souls is wise. I read one translation and it's an it's a amplified type of version. It said this. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who is wise captures human lives for God as fishers of men. He gathers and receives them for eternity. You see, I think a lot of people don't know really what winning souls means. And while you might not train as a soul winner, uh, all of us can train to be a witness. And uh, really and truly, that's uh, uh, what we're called to do because Christians are to be witnesses. We're to witness what Jesus has done for us. We're to witness what he continues to do for us. We're to witness that he is good. But we're to be a witness. I, I like the way Francis of Assisi said it. He said, always witness and use words if you have to, okay, or if you must. And so I wanted to look at two or three things about this uh, to understand something. Many people, uh, I think, don't know that God expects them uh, to be witnesses, to be soul winners. And um, some think that all they have to do is make a public profession of faith, be baptized, and uh, a member of the church, and that's all God expects of them. But if you read your Bibles, soul winning is from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible. Notice, first of all, that God is a personal worker. God is a personal worker. If you remember in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, and they sowed fig leaves from themselves. And when God came down that evening, like what was his habit his habit was, what did he say? Do you remember? He said, Adam, where are you? Why did God say that? That's right. See, they weren't where they were supposed to be. But didn't God know where they were? Yes. He was giving them a chance to repent, a chance to fess up, a chance to ask for forgiveness. But you see, what it points out to me is, is that God is so personal in his work with us that he seeks us first. He seeks us when we stray. He seeks us. He sought us and drew us by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to make a personal profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, along with uh, God right there, who else was there besides Adam and Eve and God in that garden? Do you remember? The serpent. And who had inhabited the serpent? Satan. Okay? And so Satan was there, and his main job was to cast doubt on God's word. God didn't say you couldn't have a tree, eat of the trees. God didn't really say you'd die, did he? He cast out, and it is so in our day. When you start uh, trying to do what God wants you to do, he'll say, do you really need to do that? Do you want people to think that you're a nut? Do you, do you, do you really want to embarrass yourself like that? Do you really believe that stuff that's in the Bible? And he'll carry on like that, and you have to decide whether you believe God or whether you believe him. Okay. But God was personal in his work, and that points out to us, by way of application, that we're to be personal in our work. Now, 
there, there, there is witnessing where you go and you knock on a do- door cold turkey and you don't know who's there and you find out who's there and you share Christ with them. That's the hardest kind for me of witnessing. The best kind is where you build relationships. Many of you have relationships that, if you'll admit, you've had for years. And you know, deep down you know, those people you have relationships with do not know Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the kind of relationship building you're to do in order to be a witness. You're to witness for Christ in your actions and in your deeds and in how you live your life. Because I promise you, your neighbors know if you go to church or not. They notice where you are. They notice what you're up to. And so we're to be witnesses. And that starts with being personal with people. I think that everybody here, I want you to hear this, everybody here uh, ought to decide that you're going to pray for one person this year, this coming church year, to be saved. One person you know. And that's your one. And you pray for them every single day that they'll come to know Christ as Savior. And then see what opportunities and mark it down that God gives you to tell them about Jesus. Don't be afraid of it. Don't back up from it. Don't say, I don't know enough. Just pray for that one person every day until they're saved and see what God really does. Okay? Not only was God a personal worker, Jesus was a personal worker. It said in Matthew one twenty one, it says this. You should call his name, the angel Lord said, you should call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That tells me something. Jesus didn't come to build great buildings, uh, to put pipe organs in them, to put stained glass windows in them. I think those all have places. But in Luke 19, he says uh, these words. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. We're told in the New Testament that he came uh, to die in our place, to taste death for everyone, to give his life a ransom for many. Paul says specifically, Jesus came to save sinners. First John says, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You say, well, that's, that's pretty good. What does that mean to me? If and since, because he did do it, since Jesus did that, aren't we as his followers supposed to do that too? We need to understand that the main job of the church is not, and I want you to hear this, is not for us. Now, I want you to enjoy church. I want your family to be fed and you to be fed. I want you to feel comfortable here and have a good time. But that's not what God is concerned about. He is never concerned about our comfort as much as he is about our holiness. And part of being holy is do we share Jesus with other people? Since Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, his followers are to be actively, actively involved in being a witness. Okay? We're going to talk about this some on some coming Wednesday nights on some easy ways to witness. So, so don't, don't skip out the next few weeks because you think we're just going to talk about witnessing. Okay? Hello. No, they have gotten awful quiet. Okay? You see, but God set the example in seeking out Adam. Jesus set the example in seeking out people. Uh, in the very Gospel of John, it's recorded that Jesus dealt with 28 people about come, follow me, or come, believe in me. 28 individual folks. Now think how busy Jesus was. We always say, well, I'm too busy for this, or I'm too busy for that. And we are busy. It amazes me that, that we have more um, things to make us life easier than we've ever had in our history, and we're busier than we've ever been. And I, I don't understand that. I really don't, okay? Um, I remember going to my grandmother's and, and uh, making lye soap. Anybody ever do that? Okay? I hated lye soap. 
She had scrubbed the hide off me with lied soap. I think she's trying to scrub the sin out. I don't know. But, but, uh, but think about it now. We don't make soap. We just go to the store and buy a bar of soap. That's easy, but we have less time. Okay? We have more of a computer in our phones that we carry out than they had when they had uh, a landing on the moon for the astronauts. It's amazing, but we have less time. But I think about all that because Jesus was the busiest person you're ever going to read about. He was so busy, the crowds were so big, he couldn't even find time, he and his disciples, to eat supper a lot of times. To even eat. And yet, the Gospel of John, just in John, 28 different people he individually dealt with, whether it was healings or come follow me or other things, so they would know he was the long-awaited Messiah. So he could share the good news of the kingdom of God that the Messiah has come. And so we can't use that excuse and say, well, life is just too busy, okay? Uh, Because Jesus was personal in the work he did, and God is personal in the work that he does. And then the Bible specifically commands uh, that we be personal in the work that we do, okay? Uh, For instance, Matthew 28, 19, 20, we call that the... Uh, the marching orders for the church or for Baptists or however you want to call it when he says, go ye into all the world, okay, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, uh, you need to understand that there are those whom only you can go to. Now, did you hear that? God is expecting someone to be saved because you are the witness. Only you will encounter them. Only you, uh, they will know well enough to accept the word. Only you are the one who the Holy Spirit will use to witness to those people. The same as he'll only use me for certain people. But he says, ye go. You go. And and, And the translation means in the Greek, as you go. In other words, as you go to work. As you go banking, as you go to the grocery store, as you go about life, however you want to put it, as you go, make disciples. Tell them about me. He didn't say we could send somebody else in our place. Well, I don't do that. That's Brother Gary's job or that's that's Brother Galen's job or Brother Ronnie's or some of the deacons. But he didn't say delegate your job. He didn't say Somebody else can go in your place. They can be your proxy, I think is the, is the legal term. You see, it's a personal matter with God. He saved you personally, and he wants you to witness so he can save others personally. It's our job, and we need to understand that. And the New Testament message all through is that. We remember John three sixteen. Do you remember that verse? How does it go? That's right, don't mumble, get it out there loudly. If you know that one verse, you have what you need to be a witness for Christ. You have the one scripture. Because you can tell you, you are the world. I was the world. And yet Jesus came that I could have eternal life. And here's how I, I discovered that. And here's, here's what, what I did. You see, in the, in, in the gospel of Mark, it says, Go and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a lot of folks. Acts 1.8 says, um, After the Holy Spirit has come upon me, and you shall be endued with power from on high, you shall be my witnesses uh, in uh, Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost end of the earth. Okay? Uh, I think that all those were given so we understand that the message was for the world. But the message starts in our world. 
Some of us might not ever make it to Africa or Taiwan or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some of you are saying, I hope not. I hope not. Okay. But how many have lived around here all your life or most of your life? How about that? Yeah, there we go. Okay. See, this is your world. This is your Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And when you give to the golf program, you have a part of the rest of the world as we send missionaries and, and as we uh, pray for them. Okay? But, but see, it, 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 it means that, that we have a mission. And we're faithful to that mission according to the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says it this way. The love of Christ constraineth us. You see... If we won't do this for Jesus, what else will we do? Do we love him enough to be a witness? See, the love of Christ constrains us. If we really love Christ, we're going to be witnesses. Don't, don't ever... Um, I had a lady challenge me on this, and I wasn't very nice. I was young and foolish, and I think I would hold my tongue a little more, but she just kept on saying that she wasn't an evangelist, and she couldn't prove that... I couldn't prove that you had to ha- didn't have to have the gift of evangelism to do this, and... And when I use this verse, the love of Christ constrains us. That means the love of Christ uh, holds us tight. The love of Christ, we can't get away from it. it. It means that because Christ squeezes us and loves us so much, we, we exude that love. And part of that love is sharing why we love Christ. That's a witness. Okay? And, uh, and I told her, uh, you know, you're always talking about how mature Christian you are to me and, and how the Holy Spirit just really uh, works in your life. But I don't ever see you witnessing to anybody. Well, anyway, she left the church, by the way, and I felt bad about that for about a week, and then I decided that she had just been a headache. You don't like that, do you? <laughs> but see, don't, don't, don't talk about being spiritual or talk about being mature or talk about growing in Christ and not having an unction to be a witness for the Jesus that we say we love. Why is it getting so quiet in here? It shouldn't be. This is easy, y'all. All you got to do is say what Jesus did for you. All you got to say is why you're happy that day. All you got to do is say, hey, let me, let me tell you about the Lord. And they'll either say no or yes. And either way, you started the conversation. Okay? I have pestered my, my two brother-in-laws so much that, that uh, are not Christians that, that uh, uh, they told their wives not to, not to leave, leave uh, them alone with me anymore. And I'm not sorry about that. Because when I stand before Jesus, I did what I was supposed to do. They have all the wrong answers. They talk about, well, they were baptized, or well, they went through confirmation, or well, they did these good works or those good works. That's not the answer. It takes a personal relationship with Jesus. Anybody that tells you anything else doesn't have a clue. So just listen to them. Okay. So you, you get that. Uh, uh, the last thing on the Bible commanding it was, do you realize it happened house to house? When you read Acts eight fourteen, they went from house to house, worshiping house to house, witnessing house to house. Now, let me explain to you what that means for a church, okay? Uh, what road you live on, what street you live on, those are your houses to witness to. And those are your houses to pray over. If every member of our church, including me, would pray just for our neighbors, revival would break out in our area. Okay? Uh, anyway, I'll quit beating that to death. The last thing that I want you to know about this, this uh, uh, 
Uh, he who winneth souls is wise, and the fruit of righteousness is the tree of life, is this. Do you realize heaven and hell are concerned about it? Heaven and hell are concerned about it. Hell's concerned about it because they don't, they don't want you doing that. Satan and his demons don't like that. Heaven's is concerned about it because you're being obedient to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In Luke 16, 27 and 28, we have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It's not the Lazarus Jesus raised from the dead, but it's Lazarus the beggar. And it said that uh, he would beg crumbs off the rich man's table and the dogs would come and lick his sores. And we think, oh, isn't that cute? You see, they didn't have little fluffy dogs back then. Dogs were wild. They were unclean to Jews. So when they're licking at him, they're trying to eat him. You, under, you understand how desperate his situation was. He said he died and went to Abraham's bosom, which is a Jewish way of saying he died and went to heaven. The rich man died and went to hell. And then in hell, he is begging. Just send Lazarus with one drop of water to, for this torment I'm in. And not only that, but send him and witness to my brothers. I have five brothers who are still alive. They don't need to come to this place. Do you realize that's the only place I find in the Bible where they have a prayer meeting in hell? He is praying that somebody will tell his brothers not to come to this place. Think how bad that is. And if we really start realizing what hell is like, and we talk about those that we love, maybe our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors that are just good old boys, and they are good, but goodness doesn't save us. Only Christ's goodness saves us. Then it ought to constrain us to be witnesses house to house. You see, they end up going and being scattered. They went everywhere. They went preaching the word, telling about Jesus. But heaven and hell are concerned about it. You see, uh, Jesus said this. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you like to fish, you're going to love being a fisher of men because it is. You, you don't ever know what you got on the line. There are some dandies out there. Okay. And if you think some of the people in church are strange, written to some of them out of church. Okay. Uh, you see, uh, <clears throat> Jesus is at the right hand making intercession for us. In Romans 8, 34, that's what it tells us. I think that he's talking, I think he's asking the Father to bless us, asking the Father that we grow, asking the Father to forgive us, asking the Father to make us good disciples. You, you just make up what you think he's praying about us for, but he's there, all our, our things. And the thing that, uh, that John 15, Luke 15 passage tells me, uh, three different ways Jesus talks about that which was lost and that which is found. It ends up with the prodigal son and his brother. And the brother who is lost is, is found and he was dead and now he's alive. And, and Jesus at the end of those parables said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than one righteous person. Okay? And we need to understand that. Okay? You see, you can't take... The Bible seriously or Jesus seriously and not be a soul winner or at best or at least a, a witness. Okay. Um, Deuteronomy Daniel 12 3 says this. And they that be wise shall shine as brightness of the firmament and they shall turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You see um, God's will is still uh, what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 5 when he said do the work of an evangelist. Uh, and so Isaiah heard it, and he had his vision of God, and he heard God say, Whom shall I send, and whom will we send for us? And his answer was, Ooh, send me. Send me. Okay. You see, uh, if you commit yourself, you can be a witness. Okay. Uh, unsaved uh, isn't a wonderful life. Okay. 
being lost is a bad thing. If you think about the last time you were lost, ladies, when was the last time your husband lost and said he wasn't lost and wouldn't ask for directions? Okay? I remember going uh, through uh, Indianapolis and trying to get to their fairgrounds. And we went to Indianapolis, Illinois, Nebraska. I don't know what this is about fairgrounds, but they always started off in a good part of town. And by the time the fairgrounds grows, they're in a bad part of town like Little Rock. Okay? And so we would be driving through there, and Elizabeth says, You're lost. I said, No, I'm not. I'm near the fairgrounds. Okay? And I wouldn't ask for direction because I was afraid to stop. She didn't realize that. Okay? But as, as scared as you are when you're just a little lost in a bad part of town, how much more scared would be those who are spiritually lost and are headed to eternal death, to the devil's hell? So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to do a, uh, our invitation. Okay. Maybe you just want to commit to this. Brother Gary, I'm going to commit. I'm going to come to the altar and pray that God will place one person on my heart to pray for for this year. Maybe you say, I'll commit to be a witness. If, if somebody will teach me how, I'll be a witness. Maybe you're here and you've never publicly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've done a lot of other things, but you had not done that. And maybe you need to do that. Whatever you need to do tonight, we want you to have a chance to do. We're going to sing two verses of the hymn of invitation. And then you come as you need to come. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time. Father, help us to be the witnesses you've called us to be. And Father, to, to speak out for you. And uh, to stand up for you. And not be ashamed of you. And Father, that uh, you'll give us those opportunities and train us how to do that. In Christ's name, amen.